Awesome. Good to see you guys here today. Well, that's the last time you're going to start a service with the, with the building shaking. This is, our, this is the end of our series, Unshakable. We've gone through the entire book of Hebrews chapter 11, and it's just good to have you guys uh, along for the ride. And first, I want to start by saying hi to Kim and Kevin, all the people up in Midcoast, and it's great to be with you guys. We love you all, and it's really great to be with you. All right, hopefully you uh, opened your Bibles when Tom was reading the end of this chapter. Um, If you haven't, will you open your Bibles back up to Hebrews chapter 11? And we're on to the final character, or at least the the final one that there's any detail mentioned about, and that is a woman by the name of Rahab. And the Bible has some interesting things to say here. So it's verse 31 of Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll, we'll read it together. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, here's what I think most of us would feel a little bit more comfortable with if this is the way this verse read. If verse 31 said this, it was by faith that Rahab, the former prostitute, was not destroyed, but that isn't what it says this was while she was I don't think here while she was still a prostitute I don't think here that the Bible is trying to promote this form of employment I don't think that's the that's what it's saying right but it is interesting that it was while she was in this situation that she had faith she had faith that God rewarded in fact she's the last one listed Uh, that God wants to call attention to. Now, it's interesting. There are several great Old Testament characters that that didn't get mentioned in this Hall of Fame. I mean, Daniel, if you ever read the book of Daniel, he's amazing. I mean, an entire lifetime of faith and of service, and he never gets a mention. But here we have Rahab, a prostitute who has one good moment, and she gets in the Hall of Fame. How is that? Well, God's trying to call attention to something. here. He's trying to encourage people. The book of Hebrews is written to people who are suffering and going through a tough time, and he's trying to encourage them. And she's listed for the same reason everybody else is listed, that they were all in difficult situations, but they trusted God, and God came through. And that's really the story of Rahab's life, that God sent two men right to her door. You guys remember the story? The Israelites have come out of Egypt. They came across the Red Sea. That was the story last week. And this is some years later now. They're coming into the, quote, promised land. And they're coming in. And the first city they come to is Jericho. And Rahab is, uh, lives in this city of Jericho. Now, if you read the verse again, everybody hold your, keep your place there because we're going to look at this verse a couple of times. Look at the verse again. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people of her city. If you remember the story, God was sending the Israelites to destroy these people. Now, that's something that we're usually pretty uncomfortable with, pretty uncomfortable even thinking about. And you may or may not be aware of this, but probably one of the strongest arguments in the, the atheists and those who would defy our faith, one of, the, one, of their, one of the bullets they try to pull out again and again is, how could you possibly serve a God who would authorize such a thing as this? How could you possibly do that? And they just kind of pull it out of the context, pull it out of history and try to place it in today. Like it would just it would be the same thing today if everybody in southern Maine decided that we just want Bangor for ourselves and we just went up there and wiped them out. You know, the same thing. Well, let's back up a little bit. And by the way, before I even try to give an explanation for this, anytime 
you read something like that or you see something like that in your Bible, um, I would just encourage you to stay on God's side of the argument. When you don't know all the details, I would encourage you to assume that maybe there's things you don't know. I would encourage you to assume that maybe God is more merciful than even you are. Is that possible? That God's even more merciful than us? Well, here's the truth. We're not, giving a, we're not given a ton of detail into what was going on in this neck of the woods in Jericho. Uh, we are told that they were given chances. If you l- r- read back in, in the Old Testament there, that they were living such a lifestyle and they had been given uh, hundreds and hundreds of years where God was dealing with them and these people refused to turn around. Now, we're not giving, again, again given a ton of detail as to what exactly was going on that God judged and said, this party's over. But we are given a- another story of a city that God judged to be destroyed. We're given a little bit more insight. And that is the story of Sodom. And if you remember the story of Sodom where God destroyed that city. Well, if you remember the story, two, God sent two visitors into the city. Now imagine this. And here's what the scripture records. Two visitors come into the city and the the Bible records that every, everybody say every man. Every man. Young and old, the Bible says, every man, young and old, showed up to rape these two visitors. Now, here's the truth. Now, I'm sorry to to tell such a dark story, but we have to get our head on straight here. Can Can you even imagine a society that's that far gone? Here's the truth. We can't imagine that because we've never seen anything like it. We have seen rape, and rape is dark and terrible, and it should be punished, But we've never seen anything. There's nothing like this happening on planet Earth today where an entire city, all of the men, young and old, for a society to get that far gone. I mean, just imagine what is the the culture in such a place? What is the the economy like in such a place where every human being is acting on their own impulse? There is no rule of law. Anybody can do anything they want. And it's, it's that far gone. Now, Whether we like this or not, whether we want to believe this or not, God is a judge. And I've heard some people say, well, what gives him the right to judge? He's God and he still is in that seat and he's still the judge and every one of us are gonna meet him and find out that he still wears that hat. He is the judge. And here's the bottom. The only reason I'm getting into that at all is because this is all about Rahab and we're gonna talk about her today. But before we talk about her and the fact that she was, in a, she was a prostitute and she had faith, you got to put her in her setting, put her in her culture. That story that I just told about Sodom, I'm telling you, gang, Jericho was in that spot. They were under the judgment of God. They had gone so far that God said, this party is over. These people are essentially doing nothing but living to populate hell, and it's, it's over. It's gone too far. There is, how many have discovered there is a thing on planet earth called evil? Did you know that? There is real evil and it gets to a point where God says, it's over, it's done. Now, Rahab lived in that culture. Now, here's the truth. None of us have lived in a place like that. We can't even comprehend a society like that. But here's what we can comprehend. Every one of us in this room have been in some dark spots and the real message of Rahab, and I think why she gets included, is because, again, Hebrews is written to a people who are struggling, and it's written to encourage them. And the real message is, if you have faith, even if you have a little kindling of faith in your heart, 
no matter how dark of a hole you're in, no matter how, how dark of a spot you're in, God is the ultimate heat-seeking missile. And if there's any faith in your heart, if there's just a little kindling of faith, he's going to find it. And you don't need to navigate, how do I get out of this? God's coming to you. There's one person in Jericho, one. There's one person with any faith whatsoever. And when two spies from Israel get sent in to spy it out, where do they end up? They end up at her door. Now, I'm willing to bet that those spies and Rahab just thought that that was just pure chance. Just pure chance. Just like us, we tend to interpret our own lives as just random events, just pure chance, just chance meetings. As a general rule, we are completely unaware of just how involved God is. Here's the bottom line. She had a little bit of faith, just a little bit, enough to know. Here's the bottom line. When she heard the news that God had delivered this nation out of Egypt and this nation was headed their way, everybody else in her city was petrified. And what was, what was bad news to everybody else was somehow good news to her. And faith has an interesting way of kind of flipping the way you interpret life. And the Bible records that when she was speaking to these spies, listen to what she said to them. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. She's calling him the Lord. She knew the first time she heard about God delivering this this nation out of Egypt and they're coming this way. The first time she heard that, she knew that's my God. That's the only God. That's my father. She knew that. That that was in her heart and God saw that. Now, now again, go back to her situation though. God sees that. God sees her faith. But here's the question. Will God allow his kids, will God allow people of faith to be in a tough spot? Will will God ever put you in a spot that you don't want to be? Would he ever do that? Would he ever allow you to be in a place? Yes, friends, he would. That's the entire book of Hebrews 11 is people in places they don't want to be in some tough spots, but God comes through. And that's what God is looking for. That's what God is looking for in your heart. Do you suppose, do you suppose Rahab had any days where she was a little bit discouraged? I mean, just, just be honest. I mean, the, there she is. She has faith. She wants to be serving God. I'm guessing that she would have made a living cleaning houses if there was one clean thing in Jericho. But again, imagine that culture. There's nothing clean in this city. There's nothing clean in this culture at all. Do you suppose she was ever discouraged? Do you suppose she ever asked herself, what in the world am I doing here? I can guarantee you she had some discouraging days. I can guarantee you that just like every human being, there were some days she asked, God, if you're there... What in the world am I doing here? Has anybody ever asked that question before in your own life? God, what what in the world? If you're involved, God, what am I doing here? But she kept her faith alive. And interestingly enough, when it came time that Israel came to, you know, came to their door, it's, it's her door they came to. God will find you. That really is the message. God is always the initiator. If you go through the entire book of Hebrews 11, which we've done, every character, we don't, have, we don't have time to go back through all of them, but in every situation, God was the initiator. And that's real faith. If you know that, real faith simply trusts God and knows that God's going to initiate. That's not to say that once God puts you in a place, in, in a work, in, in a marriage, and you know, when, once God puts you someplace, that's not suggesting that you're not supposed to initiate and strategize when you're in that spot. 
But God has an amazing way of guiding our steps. And every one of these characters of faith, God initiated. God came to them. God revealed himself to them. And he initiated. And then throughout, throughout the entire chapter, each character, their faith really could be boiled down to this. They saw life as God's test. They recognize it for what it is. And they recognize, yes, God may have put them in a challenging spot, but they recognized it and they, everybody say responding. They responded, they were responding in a God-honoring way. That's just what she did. She was in a tough spot, but she had faith and she responded. She looked up and God came through. Many of you may have heard the story of Nick Wojcik, um, And I don't know if you've read this book. It's an amazing book. But in case you can't tell by the picture, Nick was born with no arms or legs. Kind of an odd title for a book by a man written written by a man with no arms or legs, wouldn't you say? Life without limits. And then the taglines, how to live a ridiculously good life. I've listened to this guy. I followed him for years. And I think he actually is. I think he's actually happier than about 90% of the human race. Now, what is is Nick saying when when he says, when he espouses life without limits? Is he suggesting, and is what he's teaching in his book, that through positive thinking, if he can just think right, if he wants to be the next Olympic 100 meter champion, he'll beat Usain Bolt next time, no problem. He has no limits, right? Is that what he's saying? Is that what he's thinking when he says life without limits? No, it's exactly the opposite. Nick, like every human being, just like Rahab, has found his joy, has found purpose squarely within his limits. And he's found that once you realize that these walls here, these limits, these, these things that the world calls bad, once you realize that, that God is involved, it flips your head. And all of a sudden, those limits aren't limits anymore. All of a sudden, it's kind of like, did, did anybody jo- enjoy a cup of coffee this morning? Anybody got a cup of coffee? Wouldn't you like to be that guy that says, you know, I just don't want any limits. No limits for me, man. I just take my coffee. I, I, don't, I can't use a cup because, see, that's limits. Those walls are just limiting. I'm just going to take my coffee. I'm just going to dump it out on the counter here because I don't want any limits. You realize that's what a coffee, you know what a coffee cup is? It's a limit. It, it has these walls. It has these limits. And what's the point? I see somebody taking a drink of one right now. Limits are a good thing. Is that not true? At least when it comes to coffee. But you know it's exactly that way in life? God sets limits. And oddly enough, as you examine the entire world, I mean, this is really easy to find, that in third world countries, in the poorer countries, people are happier. Do you know what's been proven worldwide? The narrower your limits, the easier it is to fill it with joy. Isn't that weird? It's true. The easier it is to fill, the narrower your limits are. Now, we're not suggesting that we don't want to expand our boundaries. That's not the point. But just recognize this, and many of us have lived this, and we know that that the more that you get, the more that your limits go out. Sometimes, has anybody been in that spot where now you've got limits everywhere. I mean, your, your horizons are broad and wide. And does anybody ever feel like you're like running around like a chicken with, the, with his head cut off? Anybody ever had that sense? You've got no limits, no boundaries, and you feel like, ah! Just be aware of that, that the broader it gets, sometimes the more challenging it is to fill with joy. I want to read to you, this is Nick 
speaking, and this was actually a news article that was written about him, and the news reporter is just starting with what they heard Nick say. So Nick was saying this, why? Why was I born this way? Actually, if if I went back, he talked about a time where he was growing up amazingly depressed, even suicidal, because, I mean, again, just imagine you're in that spot, and he was in an amazingly tough situation until this happened. He said, why? Why was I born this way? I don't understand. He's speaking to God. I don't understand, God, how you can love me when you allow me to stay in this pain. Do you suppose Rahab ever prayed that prayer? Do you suppose she ever woke up another day in Jericho before the Israelites showed up? Do you suppose she ever woke up and said, God, why? Her life had some pain, I, I guarantee it. Had some difficulty. And then Nick said this, that John chapter 9, or the, the reporter said this, John 9 spoke to him in a special way. The New Testament portion reads, as Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The Life Without Lemons author described his feelings after reading those verses. Nick said this, I got goosebumps on skin I didn't even have, he said. <laughs> he told the congregation, I In that moment, I had faith because I understood something. And by the way, understanding is always the key. When that light bulb comes on, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe this thing, maybe I'm flipping it the wrong way. He said he understood something. He said, you see, all I wanted to know was that God knew what he was doing with me. And it was in that moment when he got this revelation that, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not a mistake. I'm not in the wrong place in the wrong time. Life isn't just this random mess. And you know, all of us, regardless of what our limits are, everybody in this room has limits. Gang, Bill Gates still has limits. Do you realize that those limits are there? They're designed by God to be a blessing. I had a friend who was, I still do, but still... I have more than one friend, actually. <laughs> kind of odd the way I said that. I had a, I had a friend, this, just remember years ago, and the guy had a genius IQ. He was way smarter than I was, but he just kind of, in, in his way of looking at the world, came to this conclusion that, you know, this world is trying to own me. And, and, and as he looked at, at, at work and the, the ladder that he said that the world was climbing, he said, you know, he figured this out. He said, you know what? The farther you get up on the ladder, the more they own you. He said, the guy at the top, the owner, he's chained to it 24-7. And that was just the way his brain was working. He says, oh, I'm smarter. I'm not going to get in that rat race. He said, real freedom isn't up there. Real freedom is down. So he decided, he said, and he'd lived as a complete drifter. And if he described, if I described everything that his life consisted of, Just a total drifter. And you know what he found to his amazement? He thought he was going to find freedom. He couldn't find it over the rainbow. He thought he was going to find it under the rainbow. You know what he discovered? He discovered that it wasn't society that was placing limits, that was making him feel caught. It wasn't society. He discovered that that's universal. He discovered that that's actually God, that God has set up this planet this way, that this life is a test. And the test is not will you get to a place where you have no limits. 
The test is, are you ever going to find joy and find God where he puts you, within those limits? It's funny, just listening to the guy. He said, my free mind would choose a free road to drift down, and then the road had the nerve to make me work to get down it. I don't know if you're following the train of thought there, but the bottom line, he realized that drifting was an amazing amount of work for nothing, for nothing. What is the point? The point is this. Limits are something we're all going to experience. The question is not, are you going to have no limits? The question is, are you going to find joy within them? Are you going to find God and find joy? He goes on, Nick goes on to say this. Nick says, suffering is universal and often, he said, cruel. But he's traveled the world now and he says, but even in the worst of slums and after the most horrible tragedies, he said, I have been heartened to see people not only surviving but thriving. He said, joy was certainly not what I expected to find in a place called Garbage City, the worst slum on the edge of Cairo, Egypt. How can such impoverished children laugh, he said. How can prisoners sing with joy? They rise above by accepting that certain events are beyond their control and beyond their understanding too. Now, he's got things that he can't understand, and you know what? All of us do. We're going to be in situations where we don't understand everything. And if you have to understand every detail of God's plan before you can trust him, before you can enjoy your life, you're never going to enjoy it. You're never going to find that joy. God's going to put you in places that sometimes you may rather not be, He says, they rise above by accepting certain events are beyond their control and beyond their understanding too. And then focusing instead on what they can understand and what they can control. Is there anything that we do understand and we can control? Absolutely. He said, my parents did just that. They move forward by deciding to trust trust in God's word that all things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that's just been his life. And he has been an amazing, amazing encouragement to so many people because it's hard to listen to somebody talking to you without any arms or legs and feel like, ah, I've had it a lot rougher than him. It's hard hard not to get encouraged when you see the joy. And by the way, he's now married with two children and just enjoying life. And what is the lesson? Here, I think, is unshakable faith. And I find it interesting that Rahab is the last one mentioned because I think she probably illustrates it best. That yes, God will occasionally put you in some places where you'd rather not be, but real faith knows I'm here for a reason. She was there to protect those spies. She saved their life. And you know, there really is a message there. If I can take a little side journey, you know, really, God has us here on this planet for a reason. And the spy, Jesus, has, God's kingdom is coming. The Israelites are coming. See, follow, see if you can follow along with the analogy here. God's kingdom is coming to the earth, and it will ultimately destroy all evil. But Jesus has come first. The spies came first. Remember the story? I'm likening Rahab's situation to ours. Okay, so Jesus has come first, and we are the ones who've opened our home to him, opened our hearts to him, right? Is that us? And now we're still living in an evil place, but we've had forewarning. We've we've got the spy in our heart. We know the kingdom. We know Jesus. And we're here, and now God puts us, yes, on a difficult planet, in a difficult place to spread this good news. 
that there is salvation. And if you want, if you want to be delivered out of the darkness of this world, there's a way, there's a savior. Jesus Christ will lift you up out of your pit. We have that message, exactly the Rahab situation. Here's, I think, what she displays. And I think what Nick Vujacic displays. And I think any person of faith displays. You end up with real faith, unshakable faith, ends up with a contentment with what God has given you. You quit fighting against your limits and you enjoy your coffee. Number two, you start realizing that everyone feels trapped at times. If you don't see this for what it is, you're going to be tempted to think it's just me. I'm the only one who ever feels like, you know, I'm in, I'm in a tight spot. I'm the only one who ever w- wishes I wasn't here. Gang, that's universal. Join us here on planet Earth. Everybody at moments, well, that doesn't mean that that's your entire existent, existence, but everybody has th- those moments and just realizing that's universal helps you. Number three, God's mission becomes mine. I just explained that, that Jesus has already come. His kingdom is already here. Now it's secret. We've already, the, the entire, this entire series, Unshakable, the theme scripture is we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. That unshakable kingdom is already here. It's in our hearts. It's in Christ. And we're sharing him with the world. And not everybody in this world wants to be delivered out of their junk. Not everybody wants to come out of the darkness. But for anybody who does, we've got the good news and his mission has become ours. And finally, we trust his purpose for putting me here. Everybody say here. Here. One more time. Say here. Where is here? Here is where you are. It's this relationship, this marriage. Not, not, Not that one, this one. This one. This job. I'm not suggesting that God doesn't have maybe promotions for you or a better, but how am I going to get there? How do I get there? Rejoicing here, working with all of my heart here, doing my, throwing myself in at my absolute best here, realizing God has a purpose for putting me here. Say it one more time. Say here. He has a purpose for putting me here. Whether or not I find it difficult, that's the way faith sees life. That's the way faith sees the world. God has a purpose for putting me here. And you start trying to figure it out. Okay, God, why am I here? This isn't a mistake. Why am I here? And when you look through life through that lens, instead of being the victim and, oh, poor old me, poor old me, here they go again, attacking me. No, you have a completely different mindset, God. You're asking a different question. God, why'd you put me here? Why am I here, God? Why are we here, God? See, he's, he's in here, right? The spy is still with us. He, he, why are we here? And you realize, yeah, okay, sometimes he's going to put me in a tough spot, but it's not so I can complain and get my way. That's what the world does. There's no more. Do we realize what an antithesis it is to say a complaining Christian? Do we comprehend what an antithesis those two, those two words aren't supposed to ever fit together in the same sentence, much less in the same description? A complaining Christian? That's not us, Right? Right? We know God put us here for a reason, right? And even when it's tough, we just, all right, God, help me figure this out. Why am I here? We know we're part of the solution. We know God is delivering us. And at times when we need to get delivered out, he's coming right to my door. Those two spies came right to our door. That's the God that we serve. He's coming to me. That's real faith has that in its heart. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? 
Friends, that last line, that is unshakable faith. You go through all 16 characters in Hebrews 11, every one of them were in tough spots, and they discerned God's purpose, and they acted in a God-honoring way, and God did some amazing things, some amazing things. I've got a simple question for you. Is that your lifestyle? Is that the lens that you interpret life through? God, why'd you put me here? And, and rejoice and respond in faith and partner with God to see good things happen where he puts you. But you're not going to be able to change this fact. There's going to be limits. You're not going to change it. You're not going to be the one who escapes it all. If you're on earth, there's going to be boundaries. There's going to be limits. I'm pleading with you to find joy in them, to recognize they're there on purpose, to not spend your entire life fighting against the very hand of God. Jesus has come for you to give you a life of joy within your limits, a life of meaning, a life of value, a life of love. Will you love the the very people he puts in your face? That prayer that we pray, that pray for one, God, send me one person today to share your love with. That just starts making sense when you see faith. But I wonder if anybody's here who would say, you know what, Brian, I, I understand what you're saying, but I have not yielded my life to God's purpose. It would be a stretch to say that that's my lens, that I'm saying, God, why'd you put me here? And I'm, I'm trying to live for his purpose. I'm really still trying to fight for my own. Friends, there is peace and joy when you cross that line, when there's a, a surrender, an opening of your heart to Christ, to his plan for your life. Nobody's looking around, but if you're here and you'd say, you know what, that's me today. I want his plan. I want to quit fighting against it. I want to say yes to God's plan, to Christ's plan for my life. Friends, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you up here. I just want to pray with you and for you. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just lift your hand up right there where you're seated? Say, man, that's me. That's me. I don't want to fight against it. I want to see it. For these hands that were lifted, can we all just pray this right out loud? Just Everybody just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and you were punished for my sin. You took my place, and you took my sin so that I might have your righteousness. And Lord, right now, I give you my life. I want your purpose. Put me wherever you want me, and I'm going to serve you right there. I'm going to love I'm going to give. I'm going to serve wherever you put me. In Jesus' name, amen.